Welcome to a new English edition of my podcast Helium Talk. My name is Jörg Heikhaus, also known under my artist moniker Alex Diamond to some, and today you are listening to another one of my conversations with Jonathan Levine from the Jonathan Levine Projects in New Jersey. This is the fourth time we met to talk about the art world. Since our last episode, Jonathan and I asked you guys out there to send us your questions, and we did get quite a few good ones. However, in this episode, we end up taking a full hour to answer only the first one, and elaborated on the topic of how to ensure longevity as an artist. I'm sure you understand we took our time, because this one is deep. And yes, we sometimes do take detours, Jonathan and me. But please, don't stop sending us your questions and comments. Jonathan and I will continue these talks, and we are always keen on hearing what you want us to go on about. So, write to me at hello at heliumtalk.com, connect to the podcast at the website heliumtalk.com, follow me on Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to this channel on your preferred podcast app. All right, now let's get down to business with Jonathan Levine, part four. You know, all I want to say is it's morning for me uh, in beautiful New Jersey. It's sunny out, although I think it's cold out. I'm sitting in my living room, which has got great light. And uh, so just like people know, and then uh, York, uh, what, what time is it where you're at, York? It's now five o'clock and it's actually still light outside. Oh, so that's good. Winter is, winter is leaving us. It's been raining for a while, but now the sun coming comes out again. It's, and we actually have a little bit of springtime here in Germany right now. It's pretty mild and oh. sunny. And, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of how the temperature's been. We've, we haven't had such a harsh winter yet, but I don't want to jinx myself because we still have a month and a half left of the winter. But I do think it's kind of a funny thing that you and I have these conversations and people have said, it sounds like we're in the same room. And in fact, we're just both staring at a computer screen. We don't even see each other's faces. We just, we just talk. So maybe we should lie. Maybe we should just say, we just, we fly around half the world every week just to meet up <laughs> because the art business just allows us to spend oh, you know, it, some money on flights. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I don't know. How much time would you spend on airports then? Too but much. it would be nice to meet you again at one point And I'm, you know, sort of just, say at some point we really have to do this one-on-one -on -one, hopefully here in my studio yes so you have to come back to germany all right that sounds like a good idea i'm going to put that on my agenda all right yeah so for this week we've uh we've asked people to uh to send us questions uh try the whole instagram story thing with sending us questions we got i got a couple ones about my beer and uh and hair products which i did not answer yeah. uh, and i'm not going to um i got a question for around my tractor that i'm showing off right now a lot beautiful um, tractor a very yeah, nice, yeah. nice tractor yeah. you got <laughs> beautiful ferguson from 1950 um but we actually got some 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 real questions um in in regards to uh to uh, i think the one that we that we both liked a lot was uh, was the one which which is about uh, well I can read it here what are some of the keys to longevity as an artist 
Did I pronounce that right? Longevity. Longevity, yes, that's correct. Longevity. That's actually from Peter John de Villiers, and who lives in Norway, and he always posts images and videos of snow, (laughs) 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 beautiful, stunning landscapes, and and his work is also really nice. Ah, Um, cool. He's on Instagram as the Shallow Tree, so if people you know want to follow him, Um, yeah, keys to longevity as an artist. Yeah, I think that's. that's a big conversation. I think it's a really important conversation and it's probably not something artists think about when they're getting started. Um, it's something more you start to sort of look at when maybe you start to have some success and you've started to have some ups and downs and you understand that unless you're one of the lucky few, which is like winning the lottery five times, um, that this is going to be a challenge and that you sort of have to, play the game and ride it out in a certain way to, you know, have longevity, longevity in terms of, you know, that's going to be a, it means different things for different people because each artist is going to want something different. Uh, I should say, you know, there's some artists that I work with that do very commercial work and they're not so concerned about like if their work is so significant or important or art critics are looking at them and writing about them in important ways. And then there's artists who do feel that way. So, you know, it all really depends on what it is that you want out of your career, but that I don't want to get too deep into that. We can just kind of talk about the important things about longevity or I would say one of the most important thing for most people, but it might not be is sales. And so you can continue to make work. Um, so, you know, do we define it by that? By basically by sales and continually kind of like basic things like you're showing, you're staying relevant. Um, it, that that may not come in the same form year after year. It may come, might be you're having a great gallery career, then suddenly you're having a great commercial art career, and then maybe suddenly you're having a slew of museum shows. It's pretty up and down these days. I don't know that uh, you can count on the gallery system or any system at this stage to sort of um, sustain and continue in the same way. You have to, I think one of the probably most important things that you have to think about in regards to longevity is constantly having to reinvent yourself. So I will say that. What do you you think? Well, I think, of course, you addressed a couple of valid points there. I think the the part that you should not exclude is like that there's difficult times and how you you deal with that. If you encounter, which you will during your career as an artist, no matter whether you have a great gallery uh, for some time, you know, sort of galleries go out of business, market changes, people might not be interested anymore in that work that you're doing at Mm. that time. Because I think, I personally think that as an artist, of course, some artists have this one thing that they that they're really good at and that people like. You know, they have their distinct style, um, maybe technique, and they can they can live off that. You know, throughout their whole career, because uh, probably at some cornerstones in their career, they meet the right people um, uh, that they can actually find their market and their 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 place where they fit into. But if you if you look at a lot of artists who change. The, 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 not necessarily just the style, but also the kind of work they do. Uh, that's 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 pretty difficult to to then maintain uh, this recognition. Um, you may so, I don't know drop out of the vision of of some people. So I think I think long, longevity as an artist is uh, like many things for an artist something that 
that that you have to define for yourself. Um, and basically, it's just continue to produce art. There may be times where you can't produce art. There may be times when you can't sell. There may be times when you're super successful and you and you sell work. And these may be over in a you know few years again. So I think you have to maintain working constantly on yourself on on whatever you do and whatever you want to do you know um, and i think you know that that's that's the point i think a lot of artists that that fade off the radar that i mean you know we both probably had have some good examples but we're not about necessarily naming names in here that that we've built up or that we had successful and good exhibitions and then i don't know years later you probably stop working together and years later they just you know went off the radar and they're in normal and you know sort of normal ordinary jobs right. um regular jobs let's put it like this and uh, not working as artists anymore because it was too difficult to maintain you know sort of like the the, the financial basis that you needed or even the the well, the I don't know to, probably the lust to 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 do art. I think when you when you lose your um, your will to produce something that 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 is so personal, like a piece of art, um, that might also be a reason. You know, no matter if you're successful, I'm pretty sure that there are successful artists or people that had exhibitions stuff like that. At some point, they said, "No, I'm um, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't you know sort of like the you know sort of the way art is presented or artists are being recognized." I think that's, you know, sort of, it's totally up to oneself um, because there's no guarantee for success in any way, no matter how good you are. Uh, if you're if you're not meeting the right people, if you're not being seen. Uh, these days, you know, we've talked about that as well. A lot of people try to gain fame through Instagram and social media and, and rightfully so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a medium that you should try and use and uh, for yourself. But I mean, people with 50,000 followers don't necessarily sell one painting their whole life. That's right. So So, uh, I'm going to interject here if you allow me to. Um, You had said two things that, uh, you know, sort of uh, triggered something that I wanted to say about. And the one thing that happens, it happens a lot in our careers, is that, you know, an artist will find their voice. And so what that means oftentimes is that they learn how to create a you know, continuous, unique body of work. It's like, okay, it all makes sense, you know? So then that's suddenly people get turned on to that. They're like, oh, wow, that's great. And so that artist starts making that body of work. And I would say that is the case with all the artists I work with. So they had a very unique style or vision. But then after a period of time, a couple things can happen. It's like music. People always want this next sort of... um gratification they want always want something new so once it becomes it's not new anymore because it's been out for like five years or whatever or 10 years they get bored with it and they want to move on to the next thing that's not to say that artist will not continue to have a career with that work so there's a couple things that happen is uh the artist will get really hyped they'll have this big like you know peak or spike and they think, oh, it's going to keep going, but they don't realize they're on this spike. And what happens is when it hits, it sort of tops out and then it, it starts to go down. And at that point, what I always tell artists is like, and I explain this happens to them, but they most of the time don't believe it. It takes them years to understand what happened. And, and it's the same mistake that most artists make for a variety of reasons. I don't know if it's 
because they're artists or it's just the nature of people and having egos and believing and get getting excited. You know, I always, I'll say in these podcasts, as long as we continue to do them, there are stereotypes about artists that may or may not be true. I'm not sure. They could also just be the nature of people, human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I always try to say that because I think it's really a little bit unfair to say all artists are self-absorbed and have big egos and blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe it's partially true, but not always true. So in any case, you know, there's sort of this uh, people peak and then they come down and it's kind of like, okay, now what are you going to do? And it's, I think, two of the things that are really important. I mean, and there are artists that occasionally are able to keep sustaining, but typically, depending on the type of artist, you have to continually change your work just a little all the time to keep Mm -hmm. it interesting for people. I mean, you may have be one of the rare artists where everyone just wants the same thing from you forever, but you're going to have ups and downs and you're going to have to look at your career into some capacity. And again, each artist is different and you can't say this is the same for every artist. You're going to have to look at your career in a, in a fine, in financially, in a financial way, as well as a strategy and look at it as a business strategy. Cause that's kind of what it is. And it's about marketing and how much you hold back and how much you put out. And you have to accept that there's maybe a limit in how much money you can make. And you have to deal with that. I think if you accept that and you're happy, like, Hey, I can make a half decent living. I'm not rich and sustain my life and make my art. You're going to be okay. A lot of artists have a hard time with that. I think people in general have a hard time with that. So, you know, that's something you, you, if you're having a good year, then you, you have to really have the maturity to be like, I'm maybe just having a good year or I may be just having five good years. This may not last. I'm not going to blow all this money. I'm not going to create this lifestyle that I can't support, which I've seen people do. I myself am guilty of it. <laughs> uh, that's the truth. And, um, you know, so I think that's, that's something that's, um, important to look at. But I think you, you've said some, you know, so like when you, when you look at, at personality of, of artists, um, and, and, and put that into this perspective of business, I think one thing that is always very, very helpful if you have a, no matter how crazy and absurd and, uh, and, 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 you and extravagant your work is uh, always have a good work ethic. I think that is helpful if you, yeah. when you deal with people, you know, um, you know. So try always to to give your best, or at least be honest. You know, if you don't like things, if you work with a gallery, for example, if you don't like things, just say it. If you if you if you if you know, sort of like I, the 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 artists that I like to work the most with are not necessarily easy people, you know? So, um, but if I need an art, an image of an art, I can get that, you know, if I need, you know, so like if there's a business behavior between us that, that kind of functions. And I think it's got nothing to do with you being an artist, you know, sort of, you want to be polite and, and nice and, and, and helpful. Um, uh, I think that, that that is the part of a personality of an artist that does not harm your image or your perspective as an artist if you if you try to you know sort of be be professional um about the professional side of that business um i also don't believe that there's a stereotype for artists and this has also changed and everyone is totally different and we both know a lot of artists they're all artists but they're all very different you know and how they 
how they behave, how they, you know, so and their loyalty to to other people they work with. I think those those if you really want to achieve longevity, if you want to work with somebody for many, many, many years, there has to be a good working environment for both sides, like in every company. You know, and I know it's not a company and I know you're not employed as an artist, uh, but you're basically for at least for a certain amount of time, you're in the same boat, you know, so you have both have to take over responsibility. Yeah. So, um, I would agree with that. And that's something we had brought up in another podcast is, uh, what's incredibly important is professionalism. And that doesn't mean you have to wear a suit and tie and be all stiff. It's just like, meet your deadlines, be straightforward, be honest, Mm -hmm. Uh, be generous with yourself. You know, you have to be giving of yourself as well. It's not a, when you're working with a gallery or you're working with just, you know, other people, you really, and and, uh, obvious, you really have to be generous with yourself and be fair and easy to work with. Now, obviously a lot of times as you're going into something and you're learning, you have to figure this all out. But a gallery situation, even if it's just a show, it's a partnership. And, you know, it's important to understand that. That's one of the things I think a lot of artists miss. Um, if they're doing a, a commercial job, that's a different situation, um, which I don't think I'm going to get into because we're kind of focused on the gallery model. But, um, yeah. you know, you have to realize, like, from the perspective, you know, the gallerist is basically going, depending on the kind of gallerist, you know, I, the way I work, and I think probably the way you worked was, we'd sort of go like, okay, you're going to make us these many pieces, um, you know, at this time in a year or two years, whatever, we would be scheduling a year to two years in advance. Um, You're going to make, you know, 10, 15, 20 pieces. They're going to be, we agreed on like generally like prices and sizes. And, you know, we, we talk about that as a whole. And maybe sometimes you'll have an artist come and say, well, all I want to do is make a show a giant work. Mm-hmm. And these are going to be twenty, thirty thousand dollar pieces. I'm going to make ten of them, and mm-hmm. you could be like, "Okay, uh, well, if I know that I can sell them, I'm like, great, no problem." If I don't think I can sell them, I'm going to be like, "Well, I don't really feel that confident about it." Now, I know a lot of gallerists who would really push artists to make certain kinds of work. I was never like that. I, for the most part, allowed artists to do what they want within reason. Um, And I was very supportive and I could have a show that made me a lot. And then I have a show that I lost a lot. Um, And, you know, but overall I would always, you'd let the artist kind of learn. They're like, I really need to do this thing for this show. And you're like, okay. And um, then it would kind of bomb, uh, but it was part of the learning experience. You were invested in them. You were hoping they were invested in you. And I think it's really important there, you know, that artists realize that, okay, when you're doing a show and it really depends on the gallery, you're, you're kind of like, okay, well, I'm making all this work. The art, the gallery is getting 50% of what I make, um, what we sell. And it could be, there's so many different variations on this that somebody could argue with me about, but, and I don't want to have all those conversations in my head, but because it's just like, well, it could do this and you could go that way. You know, someone's like, well, I already have my client base and blah, blah, blah. I could debate all that with people, um, the pros and cons to it. So it's about finding a middle ground. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for example, an artist may be hot at one point and you're doing really well with them. And then when, and they're like, well, you're getting half my money and I'm really hot and I could sell this work myself. But what about two years later when they're show bombs and you lose a lot of money? Now, 
people have to understand there's loss when art doesn't sell. So the artists will get their work back. So, you know, and there's no, there's never any guarantee that this is ever going to work. We all understand that. We should all understand that going in. It's an inherently risky business. The gallery might not make money. The artist might, might not make money. But when the show is over, you know, provided the gallerist is like a fair person, which most of the time they are, um, you're going to get your work back and it's yours. You can do what you want with it. And at least you get it back. The gallerist mm -hmm. spent money on the space, promoting, marketing, shipping, whatever it was, it costs a lot of money. People don't think it does. And now they're out of that money and now it's a loss. So I think it's important that artists, when they're working with galleries and such, understand like the huge amount of risk that people are putting into it. And, and, and that's why you want to be gracious about it. That's why you want to be, um, you know, sort of cooperative, you know, it's a partnership and there's no, there's a possibility you're both going to lose. So, and, and you may have a really, you may have some really great years and you may have not some really great years. And I think that sort of takes a certain amount of maturity and understanding mm -hmm. as you become, as you grow as an artist about, you may burn some bridges that you probably shouldn't have. And because you were too young in your career to realize, oh, you're like mad at that person or whatever. And then you realize, oh, it wasn't that person's fault. It was just the nature of the business. Mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah. Let me interject. There's this point where it's about, you know, sort of like when you discuss with artists, I think that's a very, very important aspect when you do, when, when I do a show and in an ideal case, it of course cannot happen all the time. Sometimes there's not enough time or so, but I think it's very, very important that when you plan a show, when you outline a show, I'm, I've already made, you know, sort of my mind why I want to show exhibit this artist. Um, so that's a, basically the point where it's for an artist, very interesting to find out what are the expectations of the gallerist. And the best is to really sit down and think about it. I'm not talking about me telling anyone I need five paintings of this size and you should paint this and this. I ne I've never done right. that. Uh, but of course, if an artist asks me and he makes paintings where there's a man with a sword and he makes pa paintings where there's a man with a horse and, you know, sort of people don't like his horses, I could tell that to the artist, but it should not change his mind. It's just, just be probably in there somewhere. Um, but in, in, in general, it's, um, it's more about giving you an, as an artist an idea and understanding what I see in your work because maybe, you know, sort of I'm wrong and people, you know, sort of will not buy that. But I do understand the people that, you know, sort of on the other spectrum. I know my the people that come to me that buy. And if the better I understand the work and the more I personally am engaged with the work as a, as a dealer, um, the better I can sell. Um, and, and that is, you know, so that's a point where you just have to find a common understanding. Uh, as an artist, you should always challenge yourself and always continue to work, uh, and extend it. But you should also maybe take the, if you have somebody who is, is your gallerist or is your dealer or represents you, you know, sort of keep her or him in the loop. You know, that's, that's one thing that I find found throughout the 17 years almost that I'm doing this now always very difficult with many, many artists and good friends and everything. Right. I tell every artist, keep me 
update. Tell me what you're doing. Um, we, you know, so there were times when we were writing a blog when there was no FaceTime or in face, uh, Facebook or Instagram, you know, sort of asked artists, send me images, send me something you want to show from your studies, a studio. I want to include it in a newsletter. I need to know where you're at. So I can, I talk to clients, they come in here and say, oh yeah, what about this and uh, this show that was amazing. When is he coming back? What is he doing right now? And it's good if I know these things and can keep people interested in in the artists and i think the the now of course uh, a lot of the artists tell me hey will just follow me on instagram you see whatever i do but that's just already old news as a gallerist i want maybe i want these things earlier you know so i have this i have this gallerist in 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 uh, in, in denmark uh, uh, rasmus fischer from gallery wolfsen he sometimes comes to hamburg picking up work you know so talking to dealers he comes around uh, to my place and even though sometimes sometimes we have time for lunch sometimes we just have 15 minutes these 15 minutes we used to update each other on what's happening in our lives. And he's very interested in what's happening in my life as an artist at that point, because he represents me as an artist. And he looks at the work that I'm currently working on. He sees what, you know, sort of he takes an insight and interest. And he does that with many artists that he visits at the studios. And even though he doesn't take the stuff out of the studio and brings it directly into the market, he knows and he understands. And the next time he's with a client and they talk about me or about another artist or an exhibition, he always knows what to talk about. And, you know, sort of like, and I think that is important from a gallery's perspective. We need that. I need that input. I can't basically do anything without that input. If I do a show with an artist every two years or I include them in group shows once a year and all I get is an artwork, and the link to an Instagram or Facebook. It's just, I don't know nothing. You know, why are you, you know, so I think that is important as an artist, try to, you know, and a gallerist, you know, so like this is, you know, so try to engage more. So, you know, what I would say, you brought up a, a lot of really interesting points. Um, and I think you and I are probably similar, but different because, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, your gallerist is someone you can see where most of the artists that I work with don't live in the area. So, and they mm -hmm. haven't. They live all over the world. So most of my interaction with them would be through email or sometimes we Skype um, mm -hmm. the way you and I are kind of doing right now. It's the way you and I have developed a relationship. I mean, granted, we have seen each other in person. We've hung out with each other, but, you know, a handful of times, but we also talk a lot. So, yeah. um, but I, what I would say is, you know, you saying that and, and the way the art world is these days or the way artists function is I don't think they really care. Uh, a handful do, and it just depends who you get. And, um, you know, that would be, say, depending on the artist that I'd work with. And I just think it's just, I don't know if there's a, any kind of, um, I don't know that there's any kind of, like, solution to this, what I'm we're talking about. But it's just, you know, sort of opening it up and just talking about it. Because someone who's listening this, to this will be like, I'm not like that, and I'm, I'll be completely different. And they probably will. And then there's some other artists on there who will be listening and being who will not even be hearing kind of what we're saying or care or they do hear, but they still don't care. You know, like, well, they have their own perspective, what works for them. And, you know, people are going to do what's best for them. So we can only talk about this from our perspective of what we need. But, you know, if someone's need is greater than yours, the artist, then that's what they're going to they're going to follow that need. But um, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here. Um, but what I'd say is that, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I had, I've had really long relationships with artists where we did six solo shows. And so that's like, you know, 15 years of work. Mm 
And so there's a lot of conversations to be had. And I've had artists come and say, I've had artists go, like, we agree upon what they're going to make. And then they just disappear. And like two months before I know what they're making, it's nothing what we discussed at all. And so basically I am now at risk or, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of times they make amazing shows or sometimes you're with an art, you're talking to an artist and they're just like, I can't, I have to make this body of work. And the expectation is that you're supposed to show it and support them in it as well. Like I have to make these big paintings or I have to totally go off in a different direction. And for the most part, I, I really supported artists in that. Um, I don't do that anymore because I can't afford to, because it hurt me too much financially and I did not, at the end of the day, feel that the artist understood or appreciated. They never kind of understand the financial risk. Um, at the same time, I don't want to tell anybody what to do because I, <laughs> it's a catch twenty two. Yeah, because it's a very thin line, yeah. You know, because yeah. you know, it, you, you understand it's a spiritual pursuit. But one of the things that I wanted to get at was with each artist that I talk to. One of the conversations I have is like, "What do you want out of this?" And some artists are like, I just want a successful show and I want to make this much money. Tell me what to make. Other artists are just kind of like, I want to make this body of work. I don't care about the finances. Um, Most of the time, it's somewhere in between. So it kind of depends on the artist. I mean, and I've gotten some shows that are where somebody like they experimented with something. and It was a total clunker. Um, They've experimented something. It was great. Uh, they experimented something I thought it was great, but the audience didn't um, respond to it. Or the other thing is, we know when you're working with successful artists, which you and I both did, there's a, they're always working with other galleries and they're making too much work and they're making like work that's not yeah. as good because at the end of the day, they want to have as many opportunities as they want, they can, and they want to make more money and their ego's getting stroked and just opportunity, you know? And yeah. that's a very difficult thing for anyone to manage when you have in all fairness um that it's very difficult situation when you're a creative person you start to have success and you're getting pulled in all directions and you don't know where to go and what to do and you may be really loyal to somebody but then you've met somebody who can do even more for you and it's just as cool of a person or maybe cool of a person i mean it's all about personalities and relationships so you know i've lost some artists to some really big galleries and Truth is, I, I for the most part, I let him go, and I was supportive of it because I had to be. I know a lot of gallerists that aren't. You know, it's so it's it's and it's a tough position to be in for everyone. It's tough for the gallerist who's invested all this money. It's tough for the artist to leave that person. Um, but, but I think it's that's a good that's a good point about what we said earlier. Just like having a, a true and honest business business relationship. I don't have any problems with an artist that I've been showing or building up, no matter for how many years. If they dis- are discovered and find the bigger gallery, and th- that's that's fair and fine. It's their career. They they have to go there, you know, sort of because it's their life. I mean, they don't have to, but but you know, so maybe they should um, if they want to develop and you know, sort of be on Art Basel at some point and you know, sort of be celebrated artists at some point. But if you have this relationship with an artist for many, many years and you've been building this artist, you know, up or together, you came up together, basically, why not, why not have an agreement that, um, you know, so you go to the bigger gallery, but in a few years time, I have the right to sell five of your paintings, five good paintings. Can I, and, can I interject you, here? Yeah. Yeah. I want to interject here. You're saying this. Okay. 
It's a romantic idea. And I, I'm going to bust your balls. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you some shit on that. How often did that happen to you? Never. But as I said, it's a romantic idea. But that's what I say. This is what I'm. You know, it's you know. So personally, you know, sort of you that you then of course me personally in, in cases like this i mean it's not that many of the artists that i've been working with over the past years have necessarily gone on to larger galleries it's very few ones and often the relationship was at that point maybe not good enough anymore to to maintain it over the future but there were a few that that you know sort of that are still willing to participate in group exhibitions it's actually a bunch of them. Whenever I have a group show, like the 15-year anniversary show that we did last year, there were a lot of the artists that I've been working with. Uh, some of them are at bigger galleries or because my gallery is not as, you know, I'm not I'm not functioning 100% as the gallery that I was maybe in 2009 or 2008 or 2007. We're not, not doing fairs. I'm only doing five, six exhibitions a year. Um, so maybe I'm not the, the best place for, for 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 them anymore at that point in their career. But most of the people that I sent a mail out, for example, for the 15-year anniversary, said, no problem, York, you can get a great piece of work. And I did, you know, so most of the stuff I also sold. Um, so there is a good relationship with some of the artists, but there, of course, there are some that will never even consider this. This, this is, but this is not necessarily my point. You know, sort of like, I mean, don't take me off my romantic. No, you know, okay, no, no. It's like um, <laughs> my point is, you're putting that out there, okay? And I'm, uh, you're putting that out there, and you know, you and I have both been in this business a long time. Be like, hey, it would be great if you did that, but like, I wouldn't even bother to tell people that because I wouldn't waste my breath because it's most likely not going to happen, and it's going to happen less and less and less. People are less loyal. You know, I've seen this happen in, you know, in the past few years in regards to the market change so much and people had to hustle and there's like, when you got to pay your bills, loyalty goes out the window. When you have children to feed, loyalty goes out the window. Um, or when you're, you know, at the end of the day, if you have a better opportunity, you're not going to be loyal. And so the convert, you know, this is maybe about human nature and this is also why the business is challenging. And you know, an artist could say, and this is true, I'm going to, because we're coming from this as gallerists, you as an artist um, as well, they can say, well, when the when I didn't do well, that artist, that gallery dropped me, which was typically what they do. And it's like, yeah, you're right, because at the end of the day, it's a really hard business that we're in. It's very risky. It's not, you know, it's, you can't go into it expecting it to be anything kind of but that and you're lucky if you do have some success hey listen there are some artists i did one show with it didn't do well i didn't do another show with them if True. there are artists that i didn't that i did mediocre with and i continued to show and i ended up doing you know at the at the end of the day there are artists that i showed four times and i did so bad with them at the end that any money i ever made off of them i lost so i was pretty good about giving artists longevity but in order to do that, you really have to have deep pockets, and that means you have to be really rich. And how many people are walking around that are really rich that just want to support artists? I mean, that's not really a um, it's not a very realistic expectation. You know, you hear sometimes people go, "Oh, I just you know, artists should have this, or artists should have that." There should be like some funding for artists that you know. There should be this system set up for these all these creative people out there who just want to be creative in this utopian utopian world. But it's it's not that way. For other people, you know, I mean, in, in, a, in a perfect world, people wouldn't be starving. In a perfect world, people wouldn't, 
there wouldn't be war. So like, <laughs> um, I'm just, you know, there's a real realities yeah. you have to deal with that. I feel like sometimes people just, they're, they're a little bit not realistic about these things. Um, anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. Yeah. Well, basically it's all part of, uh, we're still, you know, sort of circling around that, not circling around. I think we've, we've answered the first question, um, extensively, but I think there's even more things to be said about that because it has so much to do with, you know, sort of the, 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 your, how you, how you treat your career, how you treat your work and all these things. I, I think there's not just one way, but I think we've given a couple of points to this that, that might be quite valid. Yeah. Okay. You know what? And I, and I, yeah. you know, I think it could be really interesting and for people sometimes down the road is to sit down and use an artist example, use an artist as an example, have the artist be willing to, um, mm -hmm. talk this through so people can hear what that sounds like because, Every artist is going to be different. If I have an artist who just two really basic things, if I have an artist who is like sort of a hyper-realistic or like photorealistic painter or just like somebody who does really labor-intensive work, the way they approach things is going to be very different than an artist I have who paints flat and graphic. Like, so I'm going to use two examples. Um, Todd Shore, yeah. who's this moto, amazing like surrealist Mm -hmm. photorealistic painting. His work is also like Mark Ryden's or uh, Robert Williams. These guys take a long time to make a body of work, two years to make 10 pieces maybe. Mm -hmm. No, Mark Ryden can make one giant piece. It'll take them all year. And then you, let's, I'm going to pick some other artists that are like them, that, that are of their sort of like their peers who do something completely different. Shag, Tim Biscop, Gary Baseman. Mm -hmm. These guys will make way more work because uh, they make flat and graphic work. And and the price differences are going to be different. Uh, price range is going to be different too as a result. But they're going to approach their careers very differently because the guys who do the flat graphic stuff, they have a lot more options because they can move quicker Where in terms of participating in a lot of things. Where the guys who paint really slow and make these like epic paintings that you know they only make a handful a year, they don't. So they have to immediately look at their careers differently and go like, what do I want out of this? And some of them might just like want financial security. Others may want, want more financial securities, security. Others might want more, you know, fame. You know, there's artists who chase the fame, be really famous, and not really be making that much money. These things don't always come hand in hand. So it would be interesting, though, to sit and talk to an artist because – and you may find mm -hmm. you'll find out who that artist is like, well, this artist has got a family and they come from a working class background and they, you know, are happy making $60,000 a year. And, you know, they have a family they have to support, blah, blah, blah. Or this other artist actually comes from a wealthy family and has little less concern about money because they actually have money. And they're really more interested in like kind of running around and having showing as much as they can and like building their sort of uh, sort of like their notoriety. So, you know, these are it's, it's all, sorry, but yeah, but it's of course you know sort of talking about different artists and different techniques uh, that brings me to that point that. Um, there's not just one answer because it also depends on the kind of work that you do. I mean, if you do, you know, so if you do the flat work, if you do work like Gary Baseman, for example, he can produce a lot, but he can also do commercial work easily, far more easily than an artist who takes a year for That's painting right. or makes 10 paintings a year. Um, so it's also, of course, in that way, you can adapt better to situations, what the market actually needs. You can actually produce for demand. This sounds 
terribly business-like, but we know that this is the reality in, in the art world. Artists that want to make money, they have this one idea that works this year, they will work on that idea this year. The next thing they have with the next big thing they do, then they'll do that, you know, for a certain amount of time. Or they always do the same thing. And somebody like like Todd Shore or Mark, Mark Ryden, once they started, you know, so they can't stop before next winter, you know, um, with what they're working on right now. And if people lose interest, I mean, in both cases, they did not. <laughs> but, but, you know, so just as an example, I know personally, you know, artists that are working maybe on 10 pieces a year, eight to 10 pieces a year, and they are not successful financially. People like what they're doing. They're not even being shown, you know, sort of in, 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 in big exhibitions and, 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 and galleries, but they are still very content and happy with what they're doing. You know, it's, um, oh. I think it's a lot in, in yourself, you know, whether you, you know, sort of what do you strive for? Actually, well, you're, you want to you're touching on something completely different here though. And I, and I, and I thought about this when we brought up this conversation of longevity and I think it's what you're bringing up is a fair topic. You know, Long, if longevity, you take the market out of it, mm -hmm. okay? Because the one thing that I would always say when I would speak um, is people would always talk about success. And I always had to quantify, I had to quantify this, I think is the word. I'd have to like be mm -hmm. very specific about this. I'm like, success is not financial success. Success is not, in my opinion, success mm -hmm. is not being financially successful. Success is not being, you know, being recognized. Success is being happy. But I would say, you know, if people talk, you know, so if like, if you're making work in your studio and you're happy and you're, you're the 99.9% of 99% of the art artists out there who are not making a living 99%, um, mm -hmm. if you're happy, then you're successful. So, but that's not really about longevity unless the conversation is talking about practice. It's not about, mm -hmm. we take the financial thing out of it completely where you're just talking about the practice of making work. Now, I don't think that's what our podcast is about. I don't think that's what people want to hear from us. Um, but I want to mention that. Uh, I think it's important to recognize that success is if you're happy and not if, you know, you've been financially successful. Yeah. And then again, how long are you happy? <clears throat> when you can't feed your kids, you know? So there is, there that that ties into the other one. The one is a very, uh, again, romantic thought. Um, I think if you if you want to, you know, sort of stay an artist for the, all of your life, there, there needs to be ways to finance this kind of life. Um, yeah, and for some people, they're teachers. Some people, they yeah. just, they're mailmen. They have just different jobs and they paint at night, which is what most artists... I know, you know, they're maybe selling a piece of here. They're not making a living off of it and they have other jobs. Um, I'm, st I'm in the art creative community. I know tons of people who make art and the vast majority of them do not do it for a living. Um, but it's a huge part of their life. It's who they are. And, you know, that's just, and, and the truth is you, sh you shouldn't be making art because you think it's a good way to make a living. Mm -hmm. Um, you should be making art because it's a spiritual calling in some capacity. You know, whether you believe in spirituality, it's some kind of calling and some kind of like need for you. And whether it's a compulsion, whatever it is, you know, I mean, that's why most people are doing it. Um, other things get mixed into it, like the possibility of making a living off of it, being recognized for it, being competitive with it, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's different. Yeah. And here's, here's another, here's another thought on, on, on this, on this, uh, on this, on this subject. 
what would your recommendation be for an artist? Because I think that is something that, especially these days with the oversaturation that we've already talked about a lot, is like a lot of artists are showing in group shows. And there's a lot of galleries, also very good galleries, who put up many, many, many group shows a year where they present new talent and new artists. My recommendation for artists is, of course, I don't want to, you know, sort of spoil their business, but I think often it is much better if you are connected to certain galleries instead of continuously producing for so uh, for group exhibitions. Also, if you're then part of a group exhibition, make sure that you deliver your best work as you would for your big solo exhibition at the Guggenheim. Um, <laughs> you take every, everything serious if you, uh, if you agree to do it. But I think for me personally, I would always recommend to artists think about, do you really want to show everywhere and all of these galleries be part of something, but not something specific? This might also be not very good for your career. If you're an artist that pops up with in every group exhibition, it might help you. But if people afterwards still don't know what you're doing, what you're about, it probably would have been better to show at a space where they actually take the time and write a press release and uh, and promote you accordingly. You know, uh, I think that. I don't know what's your what's your take? I on think that? that's a, a fairly. I think I have a a broad view on this. Um, I think you know if the only options you're having. I have two things to say about this. If the only option you're having to show in galleries and you really want to show in galleries are being group shows and that's all you ever get to do, keep doing it. But if you have the opportunity, it's, I think it's very important. And it's one thing you know, I tell artists all the time is emerging artists are like, you know, maybe you go see a show and they're like, you see one piece of work and they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I think that's a great piece, but what does a whole body of work look like from you? And you can't sell, tell much about an artist without seeing a body of work. So as long as they're able to present a body of work in some way, it doesn't necessarily need to be, if you get a solo show, great, but make sure your body of work is consistent up on your Instagram account. So when I go to look at it, I can see, hey, or your collector can see, hey, this artist has knows what they're doing. They're about something. They're not like, they're not all over the place with style and things like that. They have a vision there, have a mature vision and a, and a place that they're going and their work is truly about something. So I think that's really the thing that I think is more important. Again, I, you're still, I think I'm not really buying into the gallery model this much, that much these days. And, and I can't give any general uh, sort of suggestions to artists not actually knowing that artist in particular to be honest with you i couldn't really make any broad general suggestions except for the ones i just made like i couldn't even say hey you should show in a gallery with your broad body you know when you put together a body of work it's ideal if it's the right situation for you um but if it's not is make sure you're putting together a body of work that people are seeing online at least contextualize your art in that way um just to go on a little bit more about this I occasionally will meet artists and they're like, I have three different bodies of work. It's up on my website and I want everyone to see what I do. And I'm like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't do that. Cause then you're not about anything. You're all over the place. It's like, if you need to make three different websites, per- personally, I don't, you know, I don't recommend that. But if I, you know, sat down and I really understood that this person had a compulsion that they had to work in all these different ways, I'd be like, okay, well, if you have to do it that way, this is what I would recommend. Um, but if you don't, be about something. You be, this is your voice and you're behind it. So people know who you are. 
And okay, I think it's I think it's important to to tie that in one place to be able to present that in one place as one whole. But I don't have a problem with an artist going in different directions and working with photography at this end and with uh, well, no, with fabrics at the other. I mean, if it all makes sense and if it's all sort of basically, I think it's more about the vision. Yeah, me, I think maybe know? you misunderstand what I'm saying. Like, uh, what I mean is, it looks like three different bodies of work. It doesn't, it's not that it looks like a continuation of their work. Like someone say you have somebody who was a painter and they become a photographer, which is challenging, but it's more like they're doing a photorealistic paintings and then they're doing flat graphic paintings and then they're doing abstract expressionist paintings. So it looks like three different artists. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I just think it's very, it's a very personal opinion of yours. I think that, 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 I mean, Oh, we have a disagreement here. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't wouldn't even call it a disagreement. I think it's just like I don't know. It's uh, it's also what you prefer as from our gallery perspective. Um, of course, I pr- I also prefer artists that, um, especially when they're new and when I'm presenting them first time, so the f- first few times that you can recognize immediately. But if you if you're an artist that actually can work in different different media, for example, but it's still coherent. It's still from you know. It's still the one person that you see behind that i don't have a problem with that what i have a problem with and i think i think that's where where we don't disagree i think if somebody just you know tries to out many things i want you know sort of i want to make a a body of work a and it's completely different to body of work b and c and i'd throw everything in the in the pool and then i see which ones that's jack's exactly what i'm talking about that's exactly. Uh, I, so, so we agree. We yeah. Still so agree. though, and maybe I wasn't clear. Maybe we stop fighting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just wanted to be clear about <laughs> oh. that because maybe I wasn't being. I, I see that a lot with young artists. They're like, I can do all these things. I have all these abilities and yeah, styles and sure. techniques. And it's like, look yeah. how good I am. It's like, yeah, but you don't really have a voice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and a, a lot of young artists don't realize that. So that's why I pointed out there. Yeah. No. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely valid point. Sorry, but I think we made that clear. Jeez, God. Yeah, my. God. <laughs> it's still too early for you, or what? <laughs> it is early, but I'm feeling yeah. actually pretty awake. I'm drinking my coffee. It's a little cold, but it tastes good. And uh, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I don't know. I think that was. Um, it's a good question. It kept us uh, talking for almost 50 minutes. Uh, and I think we could still go on. I mean, you know, yeah. the other question we could talk about for an hour easily. I think these bigger questions that we can really dig into, um, mm-hmm. they can last a while. And I don't know that we need to always do an hour and a half podcast. So, no, no, no. So, there's one thing that we've also talked about that we probably should, you know, address in one of our future conversations is uh, the pricing of work, you know, how 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 these things yeah. go i think some, some hands-on practical experience but i'm super happy with the feedback that we're getting for this i think we've we started something that kind of you know sort of needed to to be started yeah this is um, good fun i'm yeah. really interested to see how it develops and uh, mm-hmm. i'd like to thank all those all our supporters out there who have been listening to us and again you know if you have any feedback please feel free to give it to us so you know so we get ideas um, mm-hmm. this is kind of an experiment to see, I don't know, to see what this brings, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Before we close out, there's one more questions that I want to ask you. If you are now officially, uh, a rock star. Ah, yes. You just released uh, uh, your, your first record uh, with Cyclone Static, you know, so how was that? Was it as you expected? Red carpet? Lots of glamour. Uh, no, no, fortunately not. <laughs> 
<laughs> Unfortunately not, although it has been really fun. Um, we had a record release party about two weeks ago, and it was on a Thursday night, which is hard um, here. Mm-hmm. And also my audience is closer to my age, which is pushing 50, so they're married with kids and all that. But I had about 70 people show up, which was good. Wow, that's good. And um, we, we have received good press, lots of good press, but I did work with a good publicist. He's a great publicist. Dave at Ear Split Compound. And um, I've, as a whole, I've had really good response. Um, predominantly, I think people that are in my age group, it's interesting mm-hmm. to sort of hear people's perspective on, you know, what it is that we're doing and understanding that maybe we have generational tastes. My band does in some mm-hmm. way. But how, how old are your band members? How old are they? Yeah. Uh, well, James is f- the singer songwriter um, is 42. All right. So, uh, the bass player is 35 and I'm 50. So a little bit of an age difference between us all, but we're kind of in the nineties music, I guess, but not, that's not all where yeah. classic rock, um, punk rock, uh, you know, contemporary rock, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, I mean a pretty, you know, it's not like just rock. Like we listen to hip hop and, you know, I mean, if you're an open-minded creative person, you know, you listen to lots of different yeah. kinds of music. I mean, we're predominantly a rock band, kind of a punk rock band. Um, but yeah, so far so, so good. I mean, it's not kind of, uh, we have a radio campaign happening right now. That's oh, up for cool. six weeks. We just finished two weeks. So now you just kind of see if the thing you made has any <laughs> legs. So you're definitely taking this on very professionally. I think I like that. I like to see that. Also, is there any chance of, uh, ever, you know, sort of like, see, do you have some live footage somewhere? I mean, that you'd like to show? Oh yeah. You know, I mean, you can, we have quite a bit of, we have a pretty good, uh, internet presence. We have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, uh, a Bandcamp page. Um, we are, our music is streaming on all major services like Spotify and uh, Apple Music, I guess. And we're actually being distributed. We're, we're digitally being okay. distributed by a big music distributor called The Orchard. So they've got us on all these different things. We're mm-hmm. on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. And there is some live footage for, of us on YouTube and on our Facebook page. Um, so it doesn't really take that much to find us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not just interesting time for art; it's also interesting time for music. You know, so. yeah, for, for me, it's fun. So, yeah, if you guys right. all get a chance, listen to us on you know, just look us up. You'll find us on any of these places. Just Google search Cyclone Static, and uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find us. All right, Jonathan. Um, yeah, thanks for. We're doing this again with me i mean we're not finished no we're not we'll continue yep. this um yeah and uh we'll talk uh, talk again all soon. right my friend and oh yeah yeah i just wanted to say one last time please send us your questions i think that's that was a good good start into this podcast i really enjoyed this okay great i agree and i have one more thing to say <laughs> choose <laughs> choose just don't all see right. ya